Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, May 7th, 2019, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-host for the evening, Anastasia. Lavendar is taking a much-needed rest from her busy schedule, but she has started rescheduling sessions for August and September. And we'll be in Arkansas for our Pleiadian lineup Starseed Quest for the next two Tuesdays. So we'll be back on the air um, the next time on May 28th. So tonight we are happy to welcome Maureen St. Germain back to our show. Maureen is an Ascension teacher and author who has developed foolproof, method, you know, foolproof techniques to access your higher self. And tonight she is introducing her latest book, Opening the Akashic Records. Founder of the Akashic Records International, she was granted access to dimensions that have been closed to most of humanity for eons. Now she's considered a direct channel to source. The Akashic Records are a vast domain of energetic imprints, much like a movie library, a living vibrational field that stores all possible futures, the present and the past. As your soul begins its life experience, a field of energy is released that records every thought, word, action, desire, and emotion. In this guide to opening the Akashic Records, Maureen provides precise instructions explaining how to connect with your personal record keepers, gain clear access to the Akashic Records, discover information about you and your loved ones, and learn your soul's purpose. Explaining why the Ascended Masters opened access to the Akashic Records to all of humanity and how their presence assists you, Maureen shows how the intended purpose for working with the Akashic Records is for soul growth, not to repair your karmic debts. By seeing your records and working with your record keepers, not only will you learn your soul's purpose and help solve the problems that crop up in everyday life and relationships, but you'll amplify your spirituality and begin operating at a higher level in consciousness. Your work in the Akashic Records aids and assists in Earth's ascension. And you can visit Maureen's website, which is Maureen St. Germain, and that's M-A-U-R-E-E-N-S-T-G-E-R-M-A-I-N.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. So we'd like to have, um, we'd like to thank Kathy and Jada for hosting the switchboard tonight. For those who may have a question or comment for Maureen, we have an online starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please just click follow on our page here, and you'll get our weekly show notices if you enable those. Our main website is starseedhotline.com, and the Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings in your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Anastasia or myself. 
As I mentioned earlier, Lavendar is taking a much-needed rest, but she has started scheduling again for late summer and fall. And if you have a birthday coming up, don't miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And please remember, if you want an interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order it three or four months ahead of time because we do have a waiting list. So first up tonight, it's Anastasia and her wonderful Starseed News. And da -da -da -da, there you go. <laughs> Good evening, Ariel. Great to be with you. Well, NASA is preparing for, guess what, the God of Chaos asteroid, which is to come our way. NASA is, yes indeed, already beginning preparations for the arrival of the asteroid called the God of Chaos. The asteroid is said to be approaching Earth and will come within 19,000 miles of our planet on April 13th in 2029. The asteroid's official name is 99942 Apophis. It is an 1,100-foot-wide asteroid named after the Egyptian god of chaos, and it will fly as close to the Earth as some of the orbiting spacecraft, which has got scientists pretty worried. According to Newsweek, science scientists at the Planetary Defense Conference are now be beginning to prepare for this encounter. They plan to discuss the asteroid's effects on Earth's gravity, potential research opportunities they might have from this, and even how to deflect an incoming asteroid in a theoretical scenario. They should watch the movies if they want to figure that out. Anyway, <laughs> the asteroid will be visible to the naked eye and will look like a moving star point of light. It will show in the United States early evening, so we'll probably get a chance to see it. Apophis was first discovered in 2004, and since tracking it for 15 years, scientists say the asteroid has a 1 in 100,000 chance of striking the Earth decades into the future, but in the fairly distant future, they say probably after 2060. And in preparation, NASA is going to be using a simulation of an asteroid apocalypse in order to help the space agency plan for this potential cataclysmic event. They are taking it seriously, as disaster planners from FEMA will join NASA for a dress rehearsal of Doomsday. Now, international partners, including the European Space Agency, will also be a part of this simulation. The drill is said to be a tabletop exercise that will simulate just how a planetary, planetary asteroid emergency would play out for all of us folks on planet Earth in real time. And India wants to be the first to land on uncharted moon territory. Wow. Fast forward. Here it is, 2019. And India's space agency wants to land its rover on the moon's south pole, an area on the moon where nobody's ever gone before. The launch for this is scheduled in July. And India's second lunar exploration mission, called Chandrayaan-2, is seeking to gain access to some new science and information. For example, one of the goals of the probe is to find water on the moon. The space agency earlier said that they have an expected moon landing on September 6th. India is not the only country attempting to reach the uncharted south pole of the moon. They're in competition with China because China has recently announced that it plans to build a lunar research station in the south pole of the moon. However, it will not happen in the near future. They'll have to be behind India because Beijing's missions are expected to not to be launched before 10 years out. Wow. And speaking of the moon, and speaking of 2019, the year it is today, let us take a backward glance in our discussion of space this evening. 
Um, do you know what is for sale out there by Christie's Auction House? Of course you don't. That's why I'm here to tell you about it. The instruction <laughs> manual used during the first moon landing is going to be up for sale. And this manual has the first writing from a human on another celestial planet, another celestial body. Now, let me recall some of you who are too young to remember or to have been present, but on July 20th, 1969, the astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin successfully landed on the moon for the first time in human history, uh, recorded human history anyway. And in the summer of 2019, the manual that got them there will be officially for sale in a Christie's auction celebrating space exploration and the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11. Now, this is a rare cardstock-covered manual. It contains 44 three-hole punched pages of detailed instructions for the launch and descent of the Eagle. This step-by-step manual offers rare insight into the process of conducting the first moon landing, particularly the fact that the NASA astronauts weren't completely certain of their mission. They didn't even know if they could complete it. And in the book, there is even a section that gives details based on whether they decide to stay or not to stay on the moon. They even have an instruction box with steps to abort the mission if they needed to. Now, each individual sheet in this manual is marked with reports from the sky, the dates of the missions, what revolution the vessel was on, and the time stamps of the team's completed tasks. The instruction list details the procedures that both the Apollo 11 commander Neil Armstrong and the lunar module pilot Buzz Aldrin were supposed to complete. There are at least 150 checks boxes completion marks and annotations, almost exclusively numbered made by numbers that were made by Armstrong and Aldrin in real time during the moon mission. Now, several manuals of this sort do exist, and people back on Earth at Mission Control likely would have had some iteration of the book to track the eagle's steps, but this item is unique because it is the only one that actually made it to the moon aboard the lunar module and that had Armstrong and Aldrin's original handwritten notes in it. This highly technical book was in Aldrin's personal collection until he sold it to a private collector, and Christie estimates that the anonymous consigner will get anything from 7 to $9 million for this extremely valuable book. According to the auction house, I quote, the reason people collect books is to get close to this moment of discovery, to connect with history in a way where you're getting close to moments when the human imagination got a little bit bigger, end quote. And to that point, Historians know that the instruction manual was sitting right between Commanders Armstrong and Aldrin as they descended upon the moon. It has the first handwriting of, from a human on another celestial body. These uh, coordinates that they wrote down in the book itself was written in a lunar mare known as the Sea of Tranquility. Wow. Lastly, about the moon, going back in time yet again, did you all know, oh, i got to tell you this story, recently made a journey to the East Coast. I needed a road map. Yes, I have GPS, but you know, sometimes you just need a road map, and you can't buy road maps anymore. They are not available. There are no gas stations anymore that sell road maps. There are only convenience stores, so my quest for finding a road map was quite lengthy and extensive, which I finally did find myself at Trucker's Atlas, but it was after much effort. So today, gas stations no longer give away roadmaps, and certainly they wouldn't give them away today, and certainly we don't even have any real gas stations anymore. But 
in the past during the space race that we just were talking about with the moon landing, gas stations gave away free maps to all travelers. And not only that, at the time of the space race, they were giving away, guess what, free maps to the moon. Well, there's a history about moon maps. Humans attempted to map the lunar surface long before Galileo uh, famously looked through his spyglass at the moon on, in 1609. Uh, there is a site in County Meath in Ireland, for example, that has a 5,000-year-old rock carving that depicts what appears to be regions on the moon's surface. And there were even uh, lunar maps early in the 1600s. So lunar maps became increasingly sophisticated, of course, as telescopes became more powerful and printing techniques advanced. And in 1958... Rand McNally's large official map of the moon was based on photographs that were provided by the United States Air Force. Well, the study of the moon's surface went into hyperdrive about 50 years ago when the United States prepared for the Apollo 11 landing on June 20, 1969. Now, Standard Oil Company, uh, this was the behemoth behind countless of millions of free gas station giveaway 20th century roadmaps was not going to be left earthbound. It came up with a great marketing idea. It commissioned two distinctive maps uh, 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 from uh, designers, from uh, drafters, that would go where none of the free road maps had gone before. That would show people how to get to the moon. And despite the lack of roads and gas stations on the moon, they said, hey, this is just going to make us famous. And so they printed this. And it was printed after November 1967 when NASA launched Apollo 4. Uh, this map combined lunar geography, photography, and spacecraft illustrations, along with celestial facts and nostalgic purple prose such as this, quote, The pale moon hangs like a distant target against the jet black background of outer space, the map of the moon explains. Now, if we could get our hands on one of those freebie maps from way back in 1969, 67 and such, it would be worth a lot of money. Most of those ended up on bedroom walls of children and eventually got thrown away. But can you imagine? I'm amazed to think back and remember when gas stations gave away maps and even moon maps. And now today, <laughs> they are not to be found, folks. Let me tell you, if you have a paper map, hang on to it. Someday it's going to be worth a lot of money. And when the <laughs> GPS eventually goes down due to a solar flare or an asteroid apocalypse, you will have a map to know how to get out of the heck where you are and get somewhere else. So save your paper maps. All right. Well, there was a 7.2 magnitude earthquake that hit Papua New Guinea just yesterday. Uh, actually, it was today. It was in the very early hours of Tuesday morning. Uh, the epicenter of the quake was 70 miles uh, below the surface. There was no tsunami warning, no immediate reports of damage. 7.2, though, is pretty good size. We had a shallow 6.1 quake that struck north of the Solomon Islands, too, as well. And in the last 24 hours... There have been probably 25 quakes in the, uh, uh, the ring of fire, uh, averaging about a magnitude of five, high fours. It's been very active, constantly uh, uh, disruption in that area. But fairly good-sized ones, high fours to fives. Well, and in Europe, well, they're having a really cold spring. Check out these headlines. May snowstorm leaves Italian mountain towns blanketed 26 inches in one storm. That was just a couple of days ago, in May. And they've recorded the coldest ever uh, May day was set in Denmark, and the snowfall that was reported around the country was record, record snowfall in Denmark for May. 
There's been May snowfall in Luxembourg and in Belgium and in Sweden. In fact, in Sweden, people are saying what happened to summer. You know they had temperatures of around 15 centigrade. That's really warm. For May in Sweden, that was comfy. I don't know. What would that be, about in the 60s or so? Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, this week, the mercury just uh, dropped down to 5 centigrade. And it's snowing. <laughs> so some parts of Sweden saw snowfall and stick to the ground. That's rare in May, even for Sweden. But Europe has been cold, really cold, snow, ice, and such in Europe in May. Not normal. And in the U.S., they tell us that trouble can be brewing for farmers in the Corn Belt because of wet weather. This is, came, came from an article published on Friday. They tell us that corn planting is behind schedule in the United States because of the weather in four of the top six states for corn production. That situation is not expected to improve. They say that Illinois, Minnesota, Indiana, and South Dakota are the four states significantly behind schedule. Uh, they say that um, those four states combined produce nearly 40% of the corn in the United States and that the weather continues the wet pattern through May. Consumer prices will likely go up in the summer. Uh, you know, last year we talked about all the water shortages in California. It was really a concern. You all remember that. Well, now mm-hmm. they've done a snow survey near Lake Tahoe. And do you know that California's water has nearly doubled? They tell us that California cities and farms can expect ample water supplies this summer because winter storms have blanketed the Sierra Nevada, nearly doubling the snowpack average for this time of year. They are going to have plenty of water. The April 1st measurement, which is typically the largest and used by the state to make decisions about their water supplies, measured 106 inches and 51 inches of snow. So they're going to have plenty of water in California this year, which is wonderful. I do believe the drought probably is over. Well, a lot going on with 5G. I have some wonderful starseed people that I just adore, and they keep me apprised. And one evening, uh, before too long, we're going to do a lot of stories about 5G. But for this evening, we're just going to cover this one. And uh, meteorologists are worried that 5G frequencies will interfere with water vapor signals and really mess up weather forecasting, as if weather forecasting is any good as it is. It's bad <laughs> enough as it is. But now they're telling us that wireless radio frequencies that are being auctioned by the United States government for mobile 5G networks could interfere with weather forecasts and make them much less accurate as the mobile network could cause interference that prevents satellites from detecting concentrations of water vapor in the atmosphere. And they are worried that this is going to be a global problem because we need accurate weather forecasting as if we had it anyway. Well, for months, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NASA, and two committees in the U.S. House asked the Federal Communication Commission to delay 5G spectrum auctions. But, of course, the FCC has gone ahead with the sales. An auction on April 17th involved two groups of frequencies, one between 24.25 and 24.45 gigahertz, and the other between 24.75 and 25.25. Wow, those are very high frequencies. All right, speaking about frequencies, let's talk about sunscreen. You know, for decades, dermatologists have encouraged people to slather on the sunscreen before they go outside. 
and they tell us their goal is to prevent mature aging or premature aging and to reduce the risk of skin cancer. Well, now people are wondering how much of that sunscreen is, is, is absorbed into your body. Now, a lot of people, I mean, if you know anything, you know that it's going to be absorbed into your body, but a lot of people don't know that. Uh, we're just learning now how much sunscreen is passing through your skin and gets into your bloodstream because there's been a new study published in the Journal, journal of the American Medical Association, just came out, that reveals that all four of the major ingredients tested uh, in that are included in sunscreen results in systemic absorption into the body. And they just have discovered this. They've finally done a scientific test uh, for it, and they published it. They didn't hide it from us. Well, Americans spend over $650 million on sunscreen every year. Most people assume that what they put on their skin, like I said, stays on their skin, but it doesn't. And uh, now last year, the FDA told the sunscreen industry to start to find out whether sunscreen ingredients are absorbed. Now, why they didn't do that 20 years ago, who knows? I mean, in the meantime, the Federal Drug Administration, uh, uh, scientists took steps of their own and began their own study. They didn't wait for the industry. And when the scientists analyzed the blood samples of sunscreen users from this new study, they found that sunscreen ingredients were detected in the blood very rapidly after application. Now, what's in sunscreen? Lots of stuff. But I'm going to tell you about something called oxybenzone. Now, oxybenzone has been controversial for years. It's a common ingredient in many sunscreens. And according to the Environmental Working Group, which is, by the way, a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization, Oxybenzone is among the most worrisome of the sunscreen ingredients. Lab studies have shown it to be a weak estrogen, and it has potent anti-androgenic effects. Now, what does that mean? Well, androgen is a critical hormone that's essential for good health. And the idea that a sunscreen ingredient can affect both estrogen and testosterone is very disconcerting, particularly for young children. The Environmental Working Group says that in a recent evaluation of CDC collected exposure data for American children, researchers found that adolescent boys with higher oxybenzone measurements had significant lower total testosterone levels. End quote. Low T in men and young boys. Hmm. This chemical is also bad for the environment. Check this out. The state of Hawaii banned oxybenzone just last summer. The legislation stated that these chemicals, quote, have significant harmful impacts on Hawaii's marine environment and residing ecosystems, end quote. This stuff has been attributed to killing the coral reefs. Oh. Now, I discovered there was an editorial by key physicians who recently revealed that over 20 years ago, there was evidence that sunscreens were absorbed systemically. Sorry, I can't say that. And this research revealed the presence of a common uh, sunscreen ingredient, oxybenzone, in 97% of the urine samples of users. They go on to add, now mind you, this is 20 years ago, the study findings raise many important questions about sunscreen and the process by which the sunscreen industry, doctors, specialty organizations, and regulatory agencies evaluate the benefits and risks of this topical over-the-counter medication. First and foremost, it is essential to determine whether systemic absorption of sunscreen poses risks to human health. 
end quote. Now, for all of these years, each one of us has been hammered by doctors, practitioners, agencies to wear our sunscreen. And in fact, the discussions that they have privately had about this, they debated the risks between things like sun can- uh, skin cancer and systemic problems, overall health problems from the absorption of these chemicals. They have been unwilling to look at the absorption problems and the long-term effects that these chemicals could have on the human body, stating that skin problems were a far worse scenario. Now, they made those decisions without balancing their commentary or advising the public to choose wisely. They just told us to do it. Well, this article says that at a minimum, physicians should recommend the use of sunscreen formulations containing safe and effective ingredients. You want to know what that is? I'll tell you. Titanium dioxide and zinc oxide. So if you're going to use sunscreen, look for the brands that have titanium dioxide and zinc oxide. Those two things have been ruled safe and effective. Wow. Okay, so we've covered the present We've covered the past. (laughs) We've made a few comparisons, and I have a quote for you. Psychology keeps trying to vindicate human nature. History keeps undermining the effort. (laughs) And history, despite its wrenching pain, cannot be unlived. However, if faced with courage, need not be lived again. Wise words from wise people. Yeah. From my heart to each one of you, have a beautiful week, everybody. Much love. And we'll see you next week, Arielle. No. Thanks so much. Three weeks from tonight. Oh, are we starting the quest? Yeah, yeah. Next week we'll be in Arkansas uh, for two Tuesdays. So May 28th is the next time we'll be together. I've completely <laughs> lost track of time. Does anybody else do that? I don't think I'm the only one that loses track of time. No. <laughs> it's moving no, we so all do quickly. It. You know, for the last few weeks I've been thinking about the quest and kind of marking it off in my mind, and then I forgot about it, and then the time passes. Now I'm asking, thank you for telling me so I didn't show mm-hmm. up when nobody was there. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, didn't want that to happen. <laughs> Anastasia can sometimes <laughs> fall behind the curve. All right. Well, thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> and uh, everybody have a beautiful week. Night-night. Okay, thanks so much, Anastasia. We'll see you when we get back. Okay, so um, Maureen St. Germain is here, and I'll just get your mic open. Oh, oh, hang on a second. The the screen jumped, and I clicked in the wrong place. Okay, (laughs) there we go. Hey, Maureen, welcome back. Hi, thank you for having me. What What a great job she did. Wow. Oh, yeah, I, I can't listening. tell you Yeah, how many important things that I learned just from listening to Anastasia's uh, Starseed News, because there's things that they don't tell you, and you need to know. Yeah, so, she worked yeah. hard at that. Really well done. Yeah, yeah, and as she has said, it, it's getting harder and harder because uh, the, you know, they're being more censored, you know, Internet right. sites. So, so she does a great job in, in, in spite of that. So you have a new book, and it is it is wonderful. I read as much as they would let me read um, on Amazon, but it, it was it was you know really I thought a lot that they let you that they revealed. And uh, 
fascinating, fascinating stuff. So, and I do, uh, I did see the uh, the note there that you're leaving for Egypt tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not so stopped. We won't keep you up too late. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. So, are you are you going for um, business or pleasure? Um, this is about my fifteenth or more trip. I've kind of lost track, and um, I always go taking a group. Okay, so you're you're so on it's duty. business. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah. I have a a, a a trip scheduled for 2020 for this the uh, spring equinox. So anybody who's listening who wants to go to Egypt um, with an awesome group, I would be thrilled to have them on my in my group. This particular group is a, a a group that's from a foreign country that I'm the host for. So you know we didn't even invite Americans. Okay, well we'll get our turn. That's right. <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. And have they have they resolved the 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 problems inside the pyramids? Or are you not going to the pyramids? We most certainly are going to the pyramids, and um, I'm I'm not sure what problems you're referring to, but there's always drama, you know. And and mm-hmm. as we know, even from the news that we get, that it isn't always accurate anyway. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you believe everything so, here in the news, you're in trouble. Right. <laughs> Right. So, um yeah. I loved I loved what I was able to read um in your book, Opening the Akashic Records. So, um has this book been a long time in the making? Yes, it has. Actually, it was published in Chinese first. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. I um I have been working in the records for many, many years and um I have been teaching in China and Asia, really, for a long time. And um, my um, <clears throat> my hosts in, in Asia asked me to write the book, a book for them, which I did. And the next thing you know, um, it ends up all over Asia, and then I get it published here after that. The American English version is, um, you know, updated and more information and things like that. So, oh, cool. It's yeah, cool. It's very cool. So, um, why don't you start with giving us just some um, some background explanation? Um, okay. I mean, more than more than I read in the in the uh, for the oh, intro. Sure. Absolutely. But well, you know, a yeah, lot because of people I'm sure. Used... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. A lot of people um, hear the word Akasha, and they think that that refers to the Akashic Records. And a lot of people think they know what the Akashic Records are. And a lot of people, even well-known authors like Laszlo, refer to um, the Akash as if it is the place of the records. So I'll give some um, parameters to help people understand. The Akashic Records is a body of knowledge. It is a vibrational data set. It exists in the 11th dimension. Now, the word Akash represents sky. It's Sanskrit for sky. So, loosely speaking, anything not physical, anything that we can't produce by science, might be referred to as Akash. 
but that doesn't mean it's the Akashic Records. And the Akashic Records are a data set that exists within the 11th dimension, but that's not the only thing that is in the 11th dimension. It's not the 11th dimension. It is a part of the 11th dimension. And finally, um, the whole idea of the word, the Akashic Records, was first popularized by uh, Helena Blavatsky and the Theosophical Movement, and she brought this uh, concept from uh, her studies in Tibet. And if you go to the work of Edgar Cayce, who was America's greatest prophet, and he's known as the sleeping prophet, he was asked, where are you getting this information on the people that he was reading? And he, his answer was always the same. It's coming from the person's, um, you know, the person himself and from the Akashic Records. So then in trance, he was asked, well, what are the Akashic Records? And he said, it is the same as the Book of Life. Now, the Book of Life is mentioned many, many times in um, the Hebrew Bible or what we would call the Old Testament. And so we start to get an idea. And, oh, by the way, that's not the first place that that idea comes from. We see it in a lot of the ancient religions also. So this idea that there is uh, a reckoning or a record of what we are about, what we've been, and, you know, some of the projections that we're looking at into the future exists for our use. Now, the interesting thing is it was never available to, you know, each and every one of us until fairly recently. And the recent dispensation to be in the Akashic Records available to anyone is because we're at the end of an era and all our star seeds are help us will help us to make that that giant leap if you will that um what do they call it uh, phase jump or whatever they call it to the next dimension to the next level of expression but we're also going there all the time so many people are accessing the records without realizing it. And what my system does is simply gives you a protocol so that you can be certain of what you're doing and you have a way to measure it, you know. Wow. So from from my understanding of, of what I read um, in your book is that this, this speci- special dispensation was a, a conscious decision by a group of of high beings um, that yeah I have a feeling it it came as a request from the great karmic board but the lords of Akasha would probably have had the final say and the beings that are like the lords of Akasha are these vast beings who embody the records and so there's a couple of different kinds of beings that are in the records there are sojourners beings who come and go there are beings whose total mission is only about holding that energy space and then there's there's um beings that are committed to the records but also committed to humanity and so they actually come into embodiment there's actually people who are souls that are part of the actual kashic records which is really wild but I know this is true because the record keepers have, you know, I mean, I've had these clients show up and the record keepers tell them who they are. Wow. 
Yeah, pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah, so the purpose for um, making this decision that so the, pur- that the yeah, records the pur- are available for because of what? Well, if you think about the fact that we're at the end of an era, we're at the end of the Kali Yuga, and mankind is moving from third dimension to fifth, we're becoming uh, altruistic and loving, we're stepping out of the polarity matrix. So if you have information that helps you be more loving, that makes it easy for you to be more loving. So um, I'll make a joke, and then I'll explain it a little further. You know how if, you, if you're in a science or a certain kind of, of math major in college, you take what's called an open book test. You have access to the tables. You have access to your calculator, things like that. Well, I my joke is that when you take your test in life with the Akashic Records, you can take the open book test, and you'll always know the answers. And in fact, then you discover that they are not tests but opportunities. Now, I'm going to give you a real-time example so you can really wrap your brain around it. Um, there was a mom who was in my class, and um, one of the things I do is I teach people to you know, connect with their own inner wisdom first, and then we move into the Akashic Records because that, that gives them a point of reference and a point of contrast. So we all start out by asking a lot of the same questions of both so we can see the difference. That makes it easier to see how the record keepers are the wisdom keepers and our own inner wisdom is good information and useful, but not necessarily the same energy. And right. so this mother asked about her adult daughter who was... 35, had not moved out. Her younger siblings had moved out. The father of this family had died um, a few years earlier, but he was a good provider and had left everyone substantial trust funds. So everyone was, was in good shape financially. And the mom really wanted her space back, you know, and there was kitchen drama, you know, like I remember my own mom taping the Kleenex box to a certain spot on the kitchen counter And when I said to her, why did you do that? She said, because Grandma keeps moving it. And I keep keep asking her to put it where I like it, and she puts it where she likes it. So I finally taped it so she couldn't move it, which I thought was hilarious (laughs) at the time, right? But that kind of stuff. You know, not anything super important, but enough to be irritating. So she asks the question, you know, what do I do about my daughter who won't leave home? And her higher self-guidance was pretty awesome and told her that she should be more patient and loving and to give her daughter more room to um, mature and and get, you know, to a place where she felt comfortable leaving the nest. When she opened the records, the record keepers told her that her daughter was really afraid. And then they let her feel her daughter's fear. And what that did was enable her to go into big compassion because she had no idea that her 35-year-old daughter would be that uncomfortable leaving home. It had not occurred to her. Um, So that was the first thing. And then the second thing is the record keepers, they always give you advice and they always give you some kind of like action step or something that you can do to help your situation, even when you haven't asked. So they said to her, she will always be there for you. 
Well, that made her cry because that had never occurred to her. She was a widow. She, you know, didn't have a lot of family around her. And to think that she might be old and want to have someone looking after her had not really gotten into her brain as something that would be necessary. And the record keepers are telling her, she'll be there for you whenever you need her. That was really amazing. So what happened is she became more open-hearted towards her daughter. Well, the minute she became more open-hearted, her daughter kind of relaxed and the, 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 the friction dropped. And now they're best buddies and, you know, a few years later the daughter did move out. But, you know, they, she kind of, they became best buddies before any of that happened. And that's what I mean when I say the soul growth that occurs with the knowledge from the records enables you to be better, to be more loving, to be more compassionate than you would allow yourself to be otherwise. And that affects the whole earth. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah, each person that takes a little step up, it has far-reaching ramifications and assists in earth's ascension, like you said. Yeah, very much so. So that's and that's a so. part of and that's part of the reason why the uh the decision was made to um to open the, the Akashic record. Well, but not but not just I mean not just like, you know, like like Walmart where you can walk in and walk out. You have to have um an intermediary that is what you're calling the record keepers. Well, the, the record keepers aren't really the intermediary, at least not from my vantage point. Um, they're they're more like, well, maybe they are an intermediary. Maybe you're right. Maybe I should think about that. Well, they, I don't they see go them in, that they way. They go get the information yeah. for you. That's true. You, that's very yeah. true. And then they offer advice. And that's one of the big things. When you're in the Akashic Records and you ask a question, you feel so much love you feel so much appreciation. You feel so much um, gratitude for the um, the feeling of who you are and how much you are loved. It's quite remarkable. And as one of my uh, students said to me one time, you know, I go in the records every day. That energy, it's just so addictive. It's just so yummy. It's one of the ways you know you're in the records is because they would never say anything harsh. You know, um, I, will, I will never forget these words because they were so profound. And that's another thing. We find that the record keepers, when they come through you, they speak in a very eloquent way. And I'll give you an example. The, this woman was asking, you know, what she could do to improve herself and her record keeper said, and I'll quote, and this happened, you know, maybe 10 years ago, if you would cleanse your palate of your harsh thoughts. Now, who who talks that way to themselves? Nobody, right? Nobody talks. I don't talk yeah. that way to myself. Do you talk that way to yourself? Harsh thoughts or or. Or or tell it or the the the, the advice. Yeah, no, I don't talk. No, like listen that to, to myself, it again. But... I'll say it again. <clears throat> this is them speaking to the woman who's who's taking the dictation from the record keepers. If you would cleanse your palate of your harsh words, 
So towards yourself. So this woman, although she's a dar- was a darling and certainly a sweet person, she was very self-critical. So they were telling her to stop criticizing herself and to stop calling herself names. Cleanse your palate. Who I, I know what that means. I know it means, you know, stop speaking harsh words. But I don't talk that way, and no one else does either. That's what I mean right. when I say, you right. know, it's yeah, the record yeah. keepers because they have a way of speaking that is eloquent and um, both eloquent and what's the word I want? Um, poetic, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's one of the ways you know you're with the record keepers. <coughs> Excuse me. Right, and when you ask a question. It's the record keepers that would answer it, that you just don't get free run to, you know, you're not there unassisted or unguided when you go, when you go to seek answers from the Akashic Records. Yeah, and I guess that's exactly what you meant when you said intermediaries. And so, you know, I think, I think your point is well taken that they're like reference librarians to me. And so they're carrying the information to you. And they are using your vocabulary. They are using um, your abilities. But at the same time, they rarely talk the way you talk. So right away, you know the words you're writing are not you making it up. And that's a big deal because when you first learn to do something like this, the first thing that you think is, I'm making this stuff up. You know, even... You know, even the best guides will, you know, will have questioned themselves at least a few times, especially in the beginning. And frankly, that's healthy because we don't want to be full of ego. We don't want to be certain. But but through experience and through feedback. So when you tell a client, you know, um, you're, you're, you have a, a, a dog here that's wanting to... Um, convey its uh, love and appreciation for its lifetime with you. And the client says, how did you know I had a dog? How did you know my dog was dead? You know, that kind of stuff, not only does it validate the client, but it also validates the guide who's bringing that information forward because he or she, they're going on what comes through. And, you know, that's one thing for people like, Lavendar and you and Anastasia to be giving session work. You've been doing it for years. You have lots of experience and you have lots of resources behind you. But when you learn to open the Akashic Records, it might be the only thing you've ever learned how to do. And that's the coolest thing because it's open to everybody. No exceptions. Now, I had a funny incident where a student said to me, well, what about what about the people who would, you know, like the thieves and the murderers who would open up the records and, you know, try to find out stuff? And I, I had to laugh because what, what's obvious to me, of course, is not obvious to her, and that is your own vibration dictates your access. Ah. So, yeah, isn't that cool? So, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, if, you know, it's kind of like this. We were walking by a very high-class department store today, and um, I'm not so sure my wallet could support that store. And I'm making a joke here 
But it's the same. You know, you might window shop at a place like that. You might browse there maybe once or twice, but you wouldn't go there regularly looking for a, a, a certain garment or an outfit because you knew you wouldn't be able to swing it. So you'd stay away from that place. So our own vibrational energy impacts the ability to um, to access. At the same time, unless you're a thief or a murderer, you have access. You have total access. So it's it's kind of like a library card. Everybody gets a library card unless, you know, you're wanted for something, and then they probably won't get you, and they'll arrest you instead. Um, <laughs> so it's it's not that extreme that, you know, you know, I've, I've been a sinner, and frankly, um, I like to make the joke that we all did stupid stuff in our 20s, and um, it's just a matter of how quickly are we willing to look at that and say, well, I know better now. You know? Right. I know better right. now. Right. And as soon as you say that, then you're done. You're, you're, you don't have to worry about the the ramifications because you know better now. If you know better now and you still do something like that, that's another matter. But right. most of us are pretty good people, you know? Um, right. Now, another yeah, so thing what, the, go ahead. <clears throat> go ahead. Another thing that the record keepers said, which really surprised me, is they have frequently told um, the star seeds who are unhappy and want to leave they're not doing their job and that the reason they want to leave is because they're not doing what they're supposed to. And that was like, whoa. But they don't yeah. say it quite that abruptly, you know. It's more like if you find what you are supposed to do, you won't want to leave. You'll want to do your work, you know, right? to keep right. searching, you know. Yeah. So I want to make a comment on what you had said just prior to that, though, um, just in other words, <clears throat> excuse me it's it's like having a security clearance depending on your vibration um i like it's that directly, that's a great example yeah it's, it's it's like your vibration is directly proportional to what you're allowed what's allowed to be revealed uh-huh and also not only it? like your security yeah absolutely and not only that but um following that same line of thinking you and i can't ask about somebody that we don't have any right to know. You know, like if you have um, a teenager in your house and you need some guidance on how to deal with that uh, child, the record keepers can give you good information. But if they're in their 30s, not so much information is going to come through unless they're still living at home like that other lady, you know. (laughs) So. It's you know like you said it's it's kind of related to where you're at and but I, I like your metaphor. Um, I often tell people you can't get information that you don't have a password for. Exactly, and that yeah. good and that's another good analogy. Yeah, yeah. because when I was cool. first when I first started reading um, uh, the the first few chapters, uh, I, it, my my question was quickly dispelled that. Um, you know because the if you if you had done something in another lifetime that was really heinous and you get born with amnesia the record is you know your your slate's wiped clean you may have to work off that karmic debt but you don't have to live with the memory so you can 
you don't have to have that revealed. Do you, I, I'm not asking that quite right. Um, information that serves and empowers, but not um, they wouldn't give exactly. you information like, yeah, you were a serial killer, you were a rapist, you you know, you blew up planets, whatever. They, you know, it's, yeah, because it doesn't, yeah. it wouldn't serve in this life. Exactly. No, I mean we've yeah we've all done things in in past lifetimes that um, you know we probably wish we hadn't done, and um, and we've worked hard to to balance out that that karma, uh, but so the the record keeper that that works with you in answering your questions would not give you information that you don't that wouldn't benefit you that wouldn't serve you to know, is that true? Right. Okay. Generally, well, that's good. Generally, and you know, once in a while, as a guide, a client asks a question that even I don't want to answer. Um, one time, a lady asked about her daughter's ex-boyfriend and the cats who all died in one week, and she was pretty sure he had poisoned them because the way it went down. So she says, I want to know if he did that. And, you know, at, at the personality level for a split second, I, I, my personality kind of like jumped in and I thought, oh, my God, I don't want to be the one to tell her that. Either way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I, of course, I pulled my personality back out of it. And um, the record keeper said, you do not need your record keepers to confirm that which you already know. So again, that's, that's very not how I. Answer. <laughs> it's not how I talk, you know. I mean, yeah. come on. And that's the coolest thing when when these words come through, and either in the, in the you know when you're reading for yourself, you're writing out the answers, and when you're reading for others, you're um, saying it out loud. Um, but that's the thing that's so uh, delightful and amazing because. Um, the selection of words and the combination of words is delightful. That's all I want to say. It's just the the way they speak is exquisite. And you, you see it in the loving communication to each and every one of us. And they often pick up, you know, like we, in my lineage, we actually do a process called opening remarks. And opening remarks is where the guide or, um, you know, the person who's doing the reading is um, tuning to whatever the record keepers want them to know right up front before they ask any questions. All the other lineages usually just start with questions. So um, when when we tune to the person's records and we give whatever they've you know, set us to do, the benefit is um, that we often are able to get answers for questions that they're going to ask through the reading. And on more than one occasion, you know, someone in my my uh, team or lineage or whatever will hear a, a client say, um, well, your opening remarks answered all my questions. You know, and that's very interesting because they have, you know, this lovely way of speaking. 
And sometimes it's very poetic, and you don't have a clue what they're talking about until you hear what the client has to say, and then it makes perfect sense. For example, I had a regular client who um, had a reading, has a reading every month, and she um, she her opening remarks were something along the lines of, um, "You're standing before a field that is freshly plowed and waiting for the plants, and everything's good. Everything's uh, you have lots and lots of choices. You have more choices." than what you can choose. Um, you have more variety than what you can possibly uh, accomplish. And we know you're anxious to get started, but we're asking you to wait. Okay? Then she reveals that she had just come from her board meeting and the nonprofit that she runs had agreed to spend a certain budget on marketing and she was so excited. She had all these big plans. And then one of the board members said, you know, I have a family member who can uh, review the marketing proposals that you're looking at and give you a clear assessment on which one's the best, and he would do this for you pro bono. And the board agreed that that was a good idea. So the metaphor was very clear at that point. Beforehand, right. I had no idea what it meant, but after she told me what her, you know, previous hour was it was very clear isn't that cool yeah 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 using using metaphor that the person really relates to right and and so sometimes and this is what i tell the client sometimes you know information will come through that i won't understand but you will sometimes information will come through that i might understand that you won't sometimes we have to put our heads together and figure it out and that's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's just a lovely process. It has such sweetness to it. And it's so safe. You know, it's really, really safe. I think that that's probably the most important thing, knowing to open the records. It's really safe. Right. And especially, I mean, having the record keeper as um, your kind of go-between bringing you the information they want, then they have the the wisdom to 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 tell you what would be the most empowering exactly and it really is about empowerment and and yeah. stepping up and evolving um ascending raising your consciousness all of that is all the same thing yeah. taking that step up into 5D right so um would a person have to have a um, developed or even present um, psychic telepathic ability in order to nope. do this? Nope. That's what's so amazing. And it is truly amazing, but that's what a dispensation is. It's a free pass. <coughs> so wow. how is that possible? A lot of people doubt it, and I understand that they would doubt it. You know, it's pretty wild that you could do that. Now, hang on, i got to have a little cough here. Hang on, I'm muting. But the thing is, it doesn't negate the fact that the the um, dispensation exists and that it is possible. And everyone who learns, at least everyone who learns from me, tells me the same thing. You know, I seriously wondered if I could do this. 
But by the end of the coursework, it's a piece of cake. And I believe that people can teach themselves as well. The biggest thing they have to overcome is their doubt, either their doubt in the system or their doubt in themselves. Either one could, you know, stand in their way. Right. Um, and I don't blame them, and I understand. Um, certainly I um, I might have been a doubter myself, you know. Um, but 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 the thing is, your clear intention that you want to open your own Akashic Records is enough. Your desire for self-improvement is enough. Now, it's not like a psychic reading. It's not like predicting the future. It's for soul growth, but it is so useful that you find you know what to do in situations that you might not have known what to do. So it's better than a psychic reading. Instead of being told that your sister-in-law is going to read you the riot act, you get told how to handle her. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you, and and it would be for information that would benefit you. Like, um, are there lines of like free will and interference that you cannot cross? You know, like you know, I want to I want to look into someone else's records. That's not allowed, is it? Uh, no, it's not. Unless, of course, you have a right to know. Like you're the parent. Um, I, frankly, I don't even recommend opening anyone's records under a certain age, like under 18. But a mom might ask about her son. What should I do about my baby's crying all the time? Or what should I do about my teenager? He's, you know, blah blah blah. So those are good questions to ask. So the idea is, you know, it's the same kind of questions you might ask your best friend. I don't know what to do about this situation. I'm at my wit's end, you know. You ask in the records and you get these amazing answers. Um, so that's, um, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting because we, we don't think of soul growth as anything exciting, but it really is. It really, really is. I'll give you another example that's it's really poignant. Um, a man called in on the phone on one of the radio shows that I was on, and he wanted to know what he could do about his bad or non-existent relationship with his daughter. And I could tell that the daughter was like a teenager, maybe an older teen. And um, his record keeper said that he had a certain mastery and that she had been an adversary in another lifetime. And he agreed to sponsor her. And she still energetically felt him as adversary. And then they said, you get to love her anyway. And then they said, um, she will eventually see you with new eyes. And they also said to him, behave as if the relationship is as loving as you could possibly imagine. And, oh, by the way, it could take four years. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, um, you know, lots of parents have had to deal with, you know, their adult children's rejection. Um, I was talking with a friend who told me that in his 
you know, I'll call it retirement community, but you know, they're all they're all young retirees. They're still playing tennis and stuff like that. He said that 40 to 50 percent of the people that they know, at least one of their kids, isn't speaking to them or is you know resistant to spending time with them. It's crazy. So you know that's very painful for a parent. It's extremely painful for a parent. And you know, some parents would say, "Well, fine then. You know, I'm not going to buy them Christmas presents. I'm not going to send them birthday cards. I'm not going to call them." But what if you pretended that the relationship was normal, what you think is normal, and you send the presents anyway, and you uh, send the card? You don't pester them. You're not bugging them. But you're just doing what you would do normally if everything was good. If you do yeah, that, but, yeah, it they'll come around. It's yeah. quite amazing. And I mean, there's also, because, I mean, you're change you're changing your own action, exactly, which is going to bring a change um, in the results. Exactly. And now think about the man. Here he is. He's tried really hard to make his daughter love him, and she doesn't. She doesn't like him. She's got him, you know, with a with a whatever, you know, facing him. So. He can't persuade her or convince her that he's a good guy. But he can show her he's a good guy by just being a normal, loving guy and doing what people do in our society. They send birthday cards, they send Christmas presents or holiday presents, and they try to stay in touch as best they can. And and when a parent does that, it's not there's no pressure. It's just, I love you anyway. Now, I had a conversation right. with a woman who said to me one time, well, when when she does come around referring to her daughter, she, um, she's going to have to deal with how awful she's been to me. And I, I started to laugh. I said, you do that, and you'll be another 10 years after that before she connects with you again. You know, because you cannot throw it in their face. The, the that generation, for whatever reason, um, and and probably our generation a little bit, but it seems like that younger generation doesn't seem to realize how much it hurts. I think that's probably the big thing. They have no comprehension of how much it hurts when the parents don't hear from their kids. You know, we have our lives. They have their lives, but... You know, it's nice to hear from your kids. So, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if, if, if um, you know, current times, uh, if this is something new. That I think that in some form, there's, there's always been some point of, of a power struggle. You know, at some point, you know, whether it comes in puberty or teenagehood or later, um, a lot of times there is a power struggle and. You know, and children have to prove that they're, you know, independent they and okay without right. them. Yeah, but right. my brother said something along these lines when, when he was having difficulties um, with, with one of his children. And he said, as long as your kids know that you love them no matter what, they'll be okay. You He's know? right. And he sure sounds enough, like a cool guy. <laughs> oh yeah, my my brother's a real cool guy, 
and and sure enough, <laughs> as, as as soon as um, it was time for college, you know, now he says he's texting me every day. He never did that yeah. when he was here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but mm-hmm. you know, you plant those seeds. As long as your kids mm-hmm. know that you love them, and your door's mm-hmm. always open, whatever the you know they think that they're punishing you for something that that you didn't do or, or provide or allow them to do that that all fades away and that's right you know, and all I I would say just from my own personal experience and philosophies because I lost both of my parents at a very young age you'll never regret being nice to your parents but you will regret being mean to them after they're gone so uh. Yeah, that's heavy duty. Wow. Well, yeah. that, you know that that the Akashic records have so much wisdom and information for people. Um, and th- you know they ca- they can ask about themselves. They can ask about their family relationships. They can ask about lots and lots of things. So, um, it's a huge blessing to be able to access the records. And it's free to access the records, and a person can um, get useful, appropriate information to help them in everyday life. To me, there's no reason not to be in the records, you know? Right. And is it, I just thought of something, um, when you start doing this kind of regularly, do you keep working with the same record keeper? Do you have like a a mentor, or or can it change? Can you get answers from various record keepers depending on who's on duty that day? Well, I think that's a really good question, and and to be fair, I think they do change. Um, you know, everybody wants to evolve, so imagine that the record keepers are evolving as well, and as you say, mm-hmm. depending upon who's on duty, and also the questions you're asking. And if you're in the records for a client, of course, it's going to include their guides as well. Mm-hmm. So um, for sure, it keeps changing. And uh, at the same time, you should have some pretty regular, you know, you have some regulars that show up. So, yeah, but, well, but they, I mean, they you can, they're and can you tell, can you tell, like, you know, by the, by the, you know, the, the vocal or the, the speech pattern or the style, if you will, that's like, oh, this is somebody different today, or no, this is the same one I had yesterday, because you recognize that, you know, vibration, that style. Have you found I don't, that you... No, I don't think so, and no? I think that this is a very linear kind of thinking, because the record keepers are plural, and that they communicate with one voice. So it's kind of ah. like a board of directors that are communicating with you with one voice. I so, see. Yes, you have, you know, I'll call them floaters that float in and out, some regulars. Uh Plus you have your clients and their record keepers. So there is some continuity, but, and and certainly with client to client, you might feel or sense a different presence. But it is a conglomerate. It is not one being. And so it is, a unified voice of a group rather than to refer to them individually. That's why we call them record keepers and guides. Okay. Well, that yeah, that makes perfect sense. So um, I want to just 
see we're just about ready to wrap up because I know that you've got to get to bed, and it sounds like you've got allergies or cold going on. You, you probably need to get your rest. Um, I'm I'm on the tail end of a little sinus infection, and I am very happy to be on the tail end of it. And, you know, certain foods I eat set it off. So I think I ate something at dinner that did that. I don't know. Who knows? Oh, uh, okay. Well, just between us, I had a really bad sinus infection one time, and I cured it in 24 hours with vitamin A. No and, kidding. I mean, just massive doses. I even broke open the little, you know, gel thing and dripped uh-huh. the vitamin A up my nose. It was real. I mean, I had to hold my head over the back of the bed, but I was desperate. I couldn't breathe, and you have to sing that night um, because that's what I was doing at that time. So, yeah, out of desperation. You. I will I definitely, that. definitely write that down because that's yeah. important, and, um, yeah, I, it's a good thing to know for sure. Thank you. Yeah, but... Vitamin A and vitamin C together are like a natural antibiotic. But that yeah. vitamin A, I took, I mean, and I had, I looked this up in the prevention magazine. My dad had a whole library of prevention magazines. And it said for, you know, for 24 hours, you can take 100,000 units every other hour. You know, and it's like, what? You That's, wouldn't want to keep um, that up. That was my next you question. You were right yeah. on it there. Yeah, yeah. You cool. wouldn't want to keep that up. But for therapeutic emergency, you know, it's like getting a like getting a shot of penicillin. You know, you'd uh, only do that if you were desperate. But yeah, I mean, just start because I'm 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 worried about you getting on the plane tomorrow. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll be good so, by tomorrow. I've got lots of remedies yeah, just, here, so yeah. yeah. Vitamin cool. A, um, vitamin A, as much as you can. You know, use your intuition. Ask your guides. <laughs> yeah, very good <laughs> How much idea. To take. But um, that, can, that can get you into shape pretty quick. So cool. um, I want to just uh, reiterate, your website is MaureenStGermain.com. And Correct. your book is there. It's also on Amazon. And um, are there other places that you'd recommend yes. or those two? Well, it's available in bookstores everywhere. It's in every New Age bookstore. And it's in Barnes & Noble, you know. Um, so it's all over. Oh, great. Great. Mm -hmm. So, um, we just, we love having you on our show. You're one of our favorite guests and I'm just thrilled that you have brought this because I mean, the Akashic records have been so misunderstood and, um, and you know, and some people say they have access and they really don't, but I mean, I know you really do and, and bringing the clarity is so greatly needed. So mm-hmm. uh, we appreciate the work that you've done in bringing this book in English. <laughs> to, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. And thank you for having me. And please give my love um, to Lavendar. To Lavendar. Mm-hmm. I certainly will. I certainly will. She's doing good, right. but she's enjoying her rest. She really needed it. Yeah, so sure. um, um, we'll be... We'll be all together next week in Arkansas for the Starseed Quest, and she'll be in fine form. Very good. So will you have a safe trip, and um, I know it's going to be a big one, so take care of yourself. And when you get back, um, let us know how it went. Sounds good. Okay, I'll be happy to do that. Be fun. Take care. Okay, thanks so much for being with us.
Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So that is it for us tonight. And remember, it'll be two weeks before we're back because we're going to be in Arkansas for the next two Tuesdays. And until we meet again, find compassion and gratitude in every day. It's the door to 5D. Good night, everyone. been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.